welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey, detailers. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Boy, this was a super fun episode. So we did a special event post-pint night at SEMA uh, with Theo from the Detailing Specialist Studio. And boy, this was super awesome. So we met Theo at uh, Mobile Tech Vegas, friends with Jen Turcotte. She introduced us. And like, fuck yeah, Theo's badass. Theo's got a really cool uh, detailing business as well. He's got a family bar. So Theo invited us out to host a special episode. Uh, We made micheladas and he even showed us how to make them. And (laughs) detailers showed up and we we talked about uh, our feelings. (laughs) No, not really. But we talked about some different things, our struggles, and we we just had a good time. You know, drinking beer and chatting and hanging out, talking detailing. I think we call that community. Enjoy, guys. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Aaron, do you want to list the topic for today? Yeah, I think she she wants to. All right, well, we are live with Theo. Theo, please tell us about your bar. Tell us who you are. My name is Theodore Georges, owner of the Specialist Detail Studio. I also own Blue Hawk Tavern. Um, This bar is about 10 years old. We built it from ground up and it's a local bar that basically nice quiet place come back relax uh good price food good price bar um drinks and and good good handles let's just put it that way i'll stop it with the shiner buck see that i make fun of the shiner buck marty can't make fun of the shiner shiner's good what's your favorite beer um I think I like Warshiner right now is what I'm liking. Who are you? Ronald from All Star Mobile Auto Detailing, Boston base. Yeah, it's not a bad thing to be over here and uh, at SEMA in Vegas. The weather's just a little bit better over here than over there. Just a little. <laughs> just a little, but um, I got a blue moon. Starting things off with blue moon right now. Blue Moon's good. What's your favorite beer, though, overall? Oh, come on, Ronald. Don't let me down. Favorite beer? Ah, I got to say, uh, you know, it's weird. I, I, Oktoberfest has been my, my favorite lately. We're not friends anymore, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You answered wrong already. <laughs> I lost a friend. <laughs> He's supposed to say Coors, and he knows this. Well, it's only a Denver thing. <laughs> um, Aaron Driesen with Auto Wash Co. out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, I'm drinking the Denver beer here, the uh, Blue Moon. Favorite beer? I'm not a beer drinker. You guys know this. Give me bourbon any day of the week. Bourbon it is. Favorite, Favorite bourbon. bourbon. I'm still adventuring. It's whatever. Honestly, right now, my favorite bourbon is usually the one I've never had on the menu because I'm just totally trying new stuff. What's in my, clo- what's in my cabinet at home? Makers. 
Marty loves oh, makers. Oh, on the rocks. I bring it to me. Let's try it. I like four roses. No, high spirits there in Denver. I've not oh, had it. Oh, haven't been. No. Cody's been. DJ's been. That's our. Fa- this that's is our next Denver experience. One of our favorite places to go. There you DJ go. DJ absolutely loves going because. DJ says no. He he he's, does. He's calling you a liar. He, he usually gets invited to. Extracurricular activities. If, if anyone could see his I face. I think uh, with Cody that happened also. <laughs> so the story about High Spirits is we get hit on by a man every time we go to High Spirits. Awesome. <laughs> it's a Denver thing. It's a Denver thing. <laughs> Super bright colors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but high spirits, high spirits has their it's their own distillery, so they mm-hmm. have really good bourbon. Mm-hmm. The first time we tried it was that cherry, and we couldn't stop drinking cherry bourbon with Coke. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, when you and I went back, Cody, that's we just we just kept killing. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, been, I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> next good. time next in Denver. Time. <laughs> next time we're going. All right, Dennis with Auto Wash, and. Uh, favorite beer um if i had to pick one it's coors light but yeah. otherwise it's like denver denver really yeah, brother it's the mountain dew it's because the can have you seen that the can the can with the blue liner yeah i know <laughs> it's amazing mind-blowing like yeah, who has a can like that frost blue liner. they all do actually no the mountains, you just you the, just everyone has mountains on you their just cans know oh the out- I don't know that technology yet. <laughs> Enlighten me here. They all got liners in them. They okay. just Coors just told you about it. Uh, and they call, and they turned it blue. And their sales went up six percent in year one. They did that. Yeah. You guys are killing me right yeah, now. People yeah. that think the beer's good because it has blue mountains. That's it. <laughs> I don't That's it. think you know, it's, it's good, Marshall. I, I know it's good. Okay. <laughs> Rocky Mountain melt off. Yeah. Yeah. DJ, why's your mouth full? A lot of protein in there? No. Should you get a good protein? No. So Theo recommended these feta fries on that last episode, and they're really good, actually. So Tell me about them. They're full of his fries. <laughs> you got Theo's cheese in your mouth? I do. <laughs> it's really good. When you dip the sauce in it. <laughs> the white creamy sauce? Yeah, no. She didn't give me the white creamy sauce. No white creamy sauce. Oh, sorry. Did you pay oh. <laughs> well, you weren't here yet, so there's none made. That's right. That's right. I can go here, to the Cody. kitchen real quick if you'd like. Hi, <laughs> right, Mr. Duvall. Hi, I'm uh, Cody Duvall with Pier 1 Mobile Detail from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm a uh, fake beer drinker. I actually don't drink beer. I just drink it whenever Marty makes me. Finds <laughs> 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 a podcast. So. Uh, I'm here for work and play. I'm here doing a couple details for uh, the show and the, mostly the party, but, you know, it's Vegas. So. <laughs> All right, so if beer's not your favorite, what's your go-to? What do you normally? Uh, right now I've been drinking the Deep Eddie's Lemonade and Sprite. It's actually my favorite. It's really light, tastes good. It's not summertime anymore, so I don't know if it's going to be able to Deep Eddie's Lemonade and Sprite. Yep, yeah. It doesn't really taste like vodka. It's actually really good, though. 
All right, cool. Sheldon? I'm Sheldon Kay. I'm the executive show manager of Mobile Tech Expo, the uh, mobile detailer show in Orlando and Vegas. Um, hanging out here locally, meeting some new people, having a good time. Uh, favorite beer varies by season. Uh, we were, Marty and I were just talking about pumpkin beer and kind of on the tail end of that, but Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale is probably my favorite October beer. And uh, you haven't had the I've not had the dog the pumpkin fish. ale. Dog do- wait, ever dog? The do- you never had dogfish head in general, or I've had the IPA. yeah, the 60-minute, or they have a 90-minute, or a 120-minute. So, I don't it's, know. yeah. <laughs> I just remember the dogfish logo. <laughs> like that's all I remember. Isn't it like a really bizarre logo, like the dogfish brand, their logo, or their brand, like the bottle? Uh, it's like a fish has like a circle around it, and I think the fish of, is biting. Uh, no. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that, that's your fa- what's your all-time favorite? Bud Light. Are you gonna judge me? No. I like to hydrate while I drink all day. <laughs> you know, B before C. That's what. We're <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I would say my favorite. So my favorite all-time beer is actually a pumpkin ale. So my entry into craft beer, I stopped drinking for a while and didn't drink beer. But sitting down in um, a little restaurant, we were trying, and it's funny, we were talking about cannabis a second ago. Yeah. So we, we were in Seattle, and we, we love to smoke cigars. And so we went and got cigars, and we were trying to walk around to find a place to drink a cigar. And it was so much easier to smoke pot. What did I say? Drink a cigar? We were trying to smoke a cigar and drink some beer. And it was so much easier to go around. You could literally, everybody was smoking pot on the street, but you couldn't smoke a cigar. We found one place that let us smoke a cigar, and they had um, Harlot's Harvest. Yeah, uh, pumpkin ale. And that became my favorite all-time beer. I take one sip, and I was like, holy, what is this? And I was hooked after that. So, yeah, it's really good. All right, um, Theo, we are very grateful for you letting us come out here and record this. Um, We are going to try and chat a little bit about, um, we're going to ask a couple different questions. Um, First, we wanted to talk about what's been the favorite thing that uh, you've learned or favorite thing so far this week for SEMA. He missed that. Sorry. So my favorite thing for SEMA so far? (laughs) Let's interview Siri. I don't know. I haven't really hit that point yet. I don't have a favorite yet. Like I've walked around and just kind of haven't really had anything stand out and really hit me yet. Hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. Had fun last night though, right? Yeah. We were at Rennie's event, um, smoked some good cigars, drank a lot of beer, had some Shiner Bach. That's right, you did. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, Mr. Ronald. Uh, favorite thing so far? I got to say the networking. You know, I was here last year. This is my second year in a row, overall second time to SEMA, and um, I, I love the networking. This year I did more networking yeah than last year um you know i did some networking it was just that um there seemed to be a couple other events and groups that made more efforts 
um, to put things together. So that's kind of a cool thing to, you know, see where things are going. And, um, uh, you know, the classes are fun. Um, dipped in a couple of those. Um, and, and, uh, social media, a couple of those. Um, so I really was able you to. You taught the classes, Ronald, on social media? No, but maybe. You're pretty good. Maybe I could. <laughs> what I learned. Um, you know. I'm already doing some stuff on social media, and I was able to take what I'm doing and compare it to what they're saying, and I'm like, I don't think I'm too far off. Um, there are a couple other things that you can implement, but it, content is just something, don't stop doing it. Um, if you're, you're a business, have a profile on there on Instagram, Facebook, whatever one of those uh, platforms, put content. Um, they say don't put too much content, just put a little bit, but stuff that's going to attract i mean i think at the end of the day it's up to you what you put up there but it's it's an area where it's um it could grow brand awareness um you could probably get some customers out of it but um some of the business ones were pretty good too um so it's hard to say one thing but i think i came in more focused on what i wanted to get which was networking a couple business social media classes and um and hang out yeah so let's ask this question real quick because you said they're telling you not to put as much stuff out. I and there's other people that would say you want to put as much out as you can, right? You've got one thread that you're coming down when people are scrolling. You need to be on that thread as heavy as possible. What do you guys do? How many, how many posts? What do you guys do? You do stories, you post. What do you all got to do? So, like... I don't know if I want to give away the secret sauce, but <laughs> so I, I, I think there's a few different ways to look at that. I think that one is look, and I thought it, it was interesting that a lot of the classes for SEMA are all centered around marketing, or a lot of them seem to be anything that we would be interested in is around marketing. Is uh, you know we we have a, a system and a little bit different than car, on the car wash side with the detail shop is we try to hit different pieces of content every day of the week, but we've got a schedule. We call it a cadence that. That we that we post to, and so Mondays might be uh, auto wash, you know, car washes. Uh, Tuesdays would be ceramic coatings. Wednesdays is going to be like self serve, et cetera. And we kind of try to follow a cadence uh, with that. So at any given time, someone looks at our Facebook feed or our, or our uh, Instagram feed, they're going to see really quick what it is that we do. And I think we look at it with Instagram as more of a um, kind of a poster. For someone, if someone's checking us out and they want a quick three-second summary of what you do, they're going to look in that before the uh, above the fold on your Instagram feed. And that's what they're going to see. And so, as long as that's a good representation and it's attractive on that top side, so we don't overly post. We have usually one a day uh, is typically what we're doing uh, on that side. I think the other side of creating content though and pushing that out, you've got your stories that you can post all day long. Uh, I think we try to keep it to around four or five. Uh, a day on the story side. I think there's some guys out there that'll do like 30 or 40 stories and you feel like you're just clicking forever trying to get through them uh, to see if there's anything interesting there. Uh, so that might be too much. Um, but I'm you read right through that. I'm like, no, I didn't see a fucking story. I don't watch your stories. I saw it in Fast Forward. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I think I think you can create if you're creating content, that's one way to do it. I think the other way to create content is, and it's a little bit different, is it's more about creating the content but using it for an ad strategy, not for a strictly posting on your Instagram feed strategy. I think you can put a few cents towards every picture, and maybe you have instead of doing. Um, Instead of one or two ads that you have to try to describe what you do, maybe you have 45 different ads or 50 different ads, all slightly different to slightly different demographics, and you put a little bit of ad spend across a lot of different variables, and then you've got, now you've got a way to, uh, you know. Okay, so so for us, yeah, so Marty's question here is, is uh, who, who, who's, who's actually spending money on ads uh, versus just posting and using organic? And uh, I know for us, you know, we, we absolutely spend on ads for the last few years we've done that. Uh, we started doing that in 16, in June of 2016. We saw we actually materially changed our car washes uh, tremendously overnight almost just by spending and boosting ads so we take our at that time we weren't very good at it but we were just taking making whatever posts we had we'd boost it and throw a couple hundred bucks behind it and we saw our in the car wash industry which is a little bit different but we would start to fall from may through november was a downward trend we started advertising on facebook and boosting posts and we went level from june all the way to november we never dipped and so it was the first year that we did that after we weren't even doing Google at that point. That was just Facebook ads, and 100%, that was it, 100%. Um, and, and so now we've you know, grown and evolved, and now we're doing Google ads. We've got display ads, uh, and, and we do a lot of different things there on that side. That's, you know, we try to be more creative about all of, our, uh, all of our display ads and what we're doing there and making everything tie together so it's all cohesive. But, but yeah, we do a lot. So creating a lot of content, yeah, it's, I think it's just how you disseminate that. And you don't have to spend a lot of money if you're boosting those things, but just so that they see you. And because if you're looking, if you're counting, if you're creating organic work and you're counting on that to get seen by a lot of people and you've got 2,000 followers or 10,000 followers, that's your audience. For the most part, that's primarily going to see that. But you put a little bit of ad spend behind it and you can double your audience for just a few bucks. So when you when you do your ad spend, are you, are you targeting all of Denver or are you coming back to the followers that you have? Uh, so we've got a retargeting. We've got like seven different strategies on that. You know, we, we do a retargeting strategy. So if they visit our website, we try to force people to get to our website so we can cookie them uh, and, and, or pixel them and, and get back to them. But uh, you know, we're pixel them. Yeah. <coughs> so it's not like Adam Sandler and pixels, but that's uh, you. Want, so basically, you're planting a, a essentially a cookie or a, a tag on their device that when they visit you, now you can go back and you can reserve them ads. Think about nowadays. Think about buying a pair of Hanes underwear. You're going to get all kinds of ads all over the place. That's what Pixel is essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. It's that concept that like Facebook is listening. It's not so much that Facebook is listening as much as your habits are pixeled or they put a pixel on your device. And now when you go to anything else your IP it touches, like your Wi-Fi at home, now all your other devices are getting that same pixel. So that's why you're like, gosh, I was just looking at the brand new Ford Raptor and now all I see is Ford Raptor ads. <laughs> Think about it, and it's like, what the hell? So it, it seems that way. How does somebody set up? How does sorry? How does somebody set up Pixel? Or like, so, how does uh, it? How would a do you use Pixel? I do. Oh, you don't. Okay. Does anybody use Pixel? Okay. 
okay. a big company strategy type of situation. But there, there's organizations You don't have to be big there. to do it, though. No, there's organizations out there that are set up to help small businesses. Um, one that we were introduced to via some relationships with radio stations was called Ground Truth. Um, Ground Truth is just an organization that helps you set up an account, just like Google or just like Facebook has an ad account, and you can kind of start playing with it there. Yeah, so if you go into your go into your Facebook account and you go into Ads Manager, uh, under Ads Manager you can create a pixel, and then that pixel it'll give you it's like a I don't know how many digits long, it's like 16 or 20 digits long uh, tag, and you take that tag and you paste it into if you're using like Wix or Weebly or something like that, easy website builders, you can just plant that. Use a lot of them already have social media integrations built into them. You take that pixel and you plant that into your website. Uh, usually it's in the header of the HTML and or the H. Um, that's right. Homepage. Yeah, yeah, HTML. Yeah. And, uh, and and once it's in there, then anybody who visits your website, now that, that pixel is dropped on that person's device who visited your website, and then you use that for retargeting. And so that's your second strategy. So you have your first strategy is get them to go to your website. The second strategy is once they're hooked, and then you can refeed them information by serving ads to people who visited your website. And so you have... So that's right. On, on the pixels, and Google has, so Google has something similar. They have their cookie on there that you can do. Uh, but both of them, you have to set both of them up onto your, uh, onto your web page. So you can't just leave. If you just pixel it with Facebook, you're going to miss all your Google analytics. So you want to download Google analytics as well. And so you're tracking all of those things. See how many pages are getting clicked. And, you know, if you've got ads running, you can make, you know, copy pages of, a landing page and then see which ad is actually working better, which one's getting more links, which one's getting more clicks. So you can see all that kind of stuff. You can podcast on this, for, you know? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So we can just keep going. While we drink bourbon. <laughs> It'll get really sure fun then. Last time we had bourbon on the episode, was it Marty, you had the longest podcast ever? Two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it was so, imagine what so, you, yeah. so if you're sure about that, like, <laughs> All right, so Theo, yeah. you grab the mic a second ago because when we start talking about how many posts and how to run Instagram, how do you do it? So I'm pretty religious of doing three posts a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. Um, I do relevant stuff on my story line. Um, what is relevant stuff? What does that mean? Like stuff that I'm doing. Real that, time? Yeah, basically on the fly. So like yeah, in the moment. I, I'm pulling apart a fender or I'm you know, polishing out some heavy water spots or whatever it may be um i take a picture of like a before and after or as i'm doing as i'm doing stuff and kind of go through it um i don't post as crazy as you do on stuff like that because after a while you're going to get swiped instead of you know tap to the next picture or video or whatever it may be but uh, i try to keep that at a minimum of like five ten at the most in a day um but most of the time three posts is been doing really well for me early early in the morning like right before i go to work maybe something i finished the night before and then right around lunchtime when everyone's on lunch and they're flipping through their phone and then right before bedtime everyone's on their phone too so i found that that works really well for me i've, I've almost doubled the number of likes and probably increased followers by like 15 percent doing it like that it's just kind of routine for me post as i go um First thing in the morning when I wake up, it's the first thing I do. I'll go through, I'll post something. Um, kind of been slacking lately. Got a lot going on with SEMA and everything being here. But, um, you said this is social media. Are you talking specific to Instagram? Or are you talking I share it on Facebook and Instagram. So I share it on both platforms. So Aaron was just asking a question. 
just is it what platform is it there's so many social media platforms out there so, so i do it on instagram and then i share whatever content that i have on instagram on facebook um for whatever audience that i don't have on facebook that's on instagram and vice versa got it so they're just like the automatic copy feed so yeah. you post it repost correct yeah keep it easy yeah you can link three or four different social media accounts together to where sometimes it gets a little repetitive if someone follows you on all the accounts and they're just kind of, oh, I just saw that on Facebook. Oh, I just saw that on Instagram. Oh, that's on Tumblr. Oh, it's on Twitter. Oh. Right. So. I, I just started playing with Zapier mm -hmm. and Zapier is becoming my new best friend because it just does so many cool things. Right. With, with our email basically accounts. basically tries to be a bridge between everything. Correct. So I, I don't do Twitter personally, really, but if I can tag it into or, or attach it to another one of the platforms, now I'm doing Twitter. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Works well. Uh, Post-wise, man, I, I'm not consistent whatsoever. I'm just not. like, I If I'm in a mood one week or whatever I just post a lot and it's really good content and then if it's if I'm in a funk I don't do much at all at one point I had at our when we were doing it right I had someone that did it for us uh, he was at a, a team member of ours that he detailed but he also did social media for us but he would schedule out all the posts for the week so on Friday all he did was uh, schedule out posts for the whole entire next week so Monday Tuesday went and it was on a time slot and I would do the stories in the field, right? Have the guys do the stories in the field, you know what I mean? Um, but scheduling is the best way because it's hard as a business owner, a one-man operation that's doing the books and doing the detailing and doing the social media too. It's hard to be consistent because one day you can be slammed and not have time to even answer a phone call or return a voicemail. And the next day you may have all the time in the world to sit and do social media and it's inconsistent, so. Have you ever tried Hootsuite? Yeah, I did. And I guess, so there's, I did. But you still have to go back in and reformat and reword things because you want to have a different voice on Facebook versus Twitter versus Instagram. Right, right. And, and I guess maybe that's a, a, a big question uh, for you guys is Aaron and I always have this question. How much do you see Instagram and posting on social media actually translate to business in the shop? So we honestly, I don't like it, but we get more business off of Facebook but I prefer the platform of Instagram. It just, we always get a much bigger ROI on our Facebook posts than we do on our Instagram. But Instagram is, to me, I, I thoroughly enjoy sitting on that platform over Facebook. It's just much more interactive. I'm, and how are you tracking conversions on that? Uh, you feel it. I don't, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> any, I don't have any looks for that at all. Okay. Email, so you don't have people like sign up in advance. They don't buy anything online to come see you. No, you it's more to... like we did a post that now I just sold 15 gift cards or I just, you know, someone booked an appointment. Like you just, that worked. Do you guys use a lot of landing pages? Uh, no. So we'll, we'll link different pages. So if we're promoting gift cards, we'll link that page. If we're promoting our ceramic coating services will we'll promote that page. So that's one thing that we've just started doing is really trying to create a lot more landing pages. And it's a lot more work on the front end because I feel like we're always doing it. We're creating a whole bunch of them. And it's might be 10 different copies of the same landing page with a different URL to it so that we can track who's getting what from what. And then we can check which, what's actually beneficial for us and where we can need to spend more of our time on or what we need to spend more of our ad spend on whether it's display ads or an Instagram swipe up or whatever it may be to who's actually buying. Yeah. I still spend a lot of time doing the old school method of 
a lot of my business is word of mouth, and I can only handle so much work <laughs> off of social media because social media is overwhelming for me sometimes. You know, I'm still small. It's just me and my brother and another another brother of mine working together. But I still use the old school method of going to places where I know that people are into cars or into de- that are going to want details. They, there's a lot of the car guys or the car world that I work in. Oh, they want, they want, <laughs> the, the guys that I work around and the, the, a lot of my business people that I do business with, they want to be, t- like, they want you to come spend personal time with them. They don't have a lot of time on the internet. Like, car guys are in the body shop all day long. If they do see pictures, it's online, obviously. So when I do post pictures, it's showcasing the job that I did, or like the biggest job of that month. I don't do every single job because I feel like people would get kind of burnt out on seeing the same thing over and over again. So when you do post certain things, they know it's like a big deal. And I, I kind of, I, I mostly showcase things, and that seems to work out for me more than you know, spinning repetitive posts and stuff like that. Yeah. So your your business model is, I know it. So it's different than than most because you deal with a lot of the, the car guys and a lot of like, you'll work on a car for a few days versus just like a bunch of volume and so forth. So spending time on social media, posting work all the time, I feel like people would just get kind of burn out personally because I use my personal name more than I do my business. So your efforts are more well spent when you go out to those car shows, when you go out to the drag races, street race, all that stuff. And that's when they, yeah. And it really works because there could be a guy that they, they follow online all day, every day. They see his work. But then there's this guy that came up and talked to him, had a good conversation with him. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go use him because he talked to me personally and came to me. And that, that seems to work for me because there's a lot of guys that are big on social media from Oklahoma and then you get to go and you can be someone like me and go and talk to them and just spend time with them, explain to them, be real with them. And they're like, all right, I I want you to come do my job, no matter how big your social media is. That's kind of different from what everyone else does, I guess. But I I didn't really grow up on the social media side of things, so I kind of lack on that part. One day when I have the manpower, I would love to spend the time to work on a social media platform, but it just doesn't work for me right now. So. The key point there, when you say manpower, we look around the industry, Dennis and I, our team, we have a small staff that works with us, obviously with the car washes and everything, and that's a huge piece. When we look around, we see all the one-offs, all the people that are out there on their own and by themselves, and that's part of why we love having these conversations is how do we grow as a community because that's how we're going to strengthen this for our customers also. And over the seven years that I've been in business by myself, I figured out, like, I tried the social media thing, and it got where I blew it up on social media, but it was, like, so much. I just couldn't handle it. And I, I'm known for, in the Tulsa area, it's well known that people are like, oh, he's so bad at responding and this. And, 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 and I know it. I mean, I know it. Like, we know our weaknesses. No, yeah, I know. They're like, oh, he's so hard to get a hold people of. People have even said Yeah, like, <laughs> but, and I hate being that way, but it's just, like, I just can't. I Also, dealing with it as a personal, in my own personal note, like, if I could sit back and just kind of sit back and talk to every single person and have the time to do it, it's just kind of it's just difficult, you know. I, I right. just can't. So the way I manage it is just who I can remember to talk to and, how, and to spend my time, my best, well spent time. Is that's kind of how I try to figure out. Right. How to do it, so. Right. Okay, so we brought out the uh, Michelada bar, right? So we're gonna make our own cheladas. Yay! Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Theo, tell us what we have. I guess so. We have either Bud Light or Modelo. Bud Light or Modelo? Modelo. Modelo. We have a nice condiment tray with limes, lemons, oranges, uh, olives, whatever you'd like to stick in yours. We've got some Cholula, 
Some Worcestershire sauce, some Tabasco, some bitter, salt, pepper. Uh, anything else you guys would like, we can add on. It looks like a Modelo to me. Cody, Bud Light or Modelo? I'm a, I have Modelo with a lime. No, we're making chiladas. Do you do you guys like Bloody Mary? So explain what a chilada is. Bloody Mary. Uh, okay, so disgusting. He's gonna explain what it is. So chilada is basically like red beer, but you can kick it up a notch and spice it. We're also using clamato, which is clam juice and tomato juice mixture, and then you've got olives, you've got limes, you've got lemons. I mean, if you want to get crazy, you can do an orange in there too, but. Um, salt, pepper, just kind of spice it up the so way that normally you want. What's the mixture? How much clamato do we put in from a chilada? Because these beers are kind of foolish, right? It, it kind of depends. How much alcohol um, content is in this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this? I'll make the first one. Theo, okay. Here you go. Theo's right. got the first one. However you like it best, I'll tell you whether it's good or not. So Aaron relinquished the responsibility to Theo. All right, so he's got. Uh, I don't know. Was that maybe? Oh, so you don't pour much. Of a cup? Like that's not a lot. Yeah, not a lot of machilada in there. We got some pepper. Yeah. Some salt. <laughs> Pretty much. Ooh, a little Tabasco. That was six and a half drops, right? Yeah. Oh. Six and three quarters. A little Tabasco. Then what's that? A little Worcestershire. How do you? Hey, say that again, Marty. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Ooh, and what do you want? No, Olive? This is a cocktail for success. Olive? Lime? Okay. Yes, nicely done. <laughs> Very well done. So this makes it spicy, Yeah. I mean, is there any more alcohol content to it, or is it just more? No, it's just it's beer with flavor. All right, so we got some olives. Oh, you have to love it. It has to be your favorite beer of all time. It has to be her favorite beer. <laughs> well, she got it specially made, so yeah. What do you think? That's actually pretty good. All right. Winner, winner. We won one over, Theo. We won good one job, over. Theo. Awesome. Nicely done, Theo. Nicely done. Can I make it another one? <laughs> I'm going to make mine. You went from podcast to bartending. Yeah, right? Okay, so hop in, grab your, uh, grab your clamato, mix it up however you want. <laughs> this is not yours, huh? This whole vegan trip has been an experience. Not a big beer guy to begin with. If it was Mountain Dew and vodka. Mountain Dew and vodka? All right. <laughs> See, if you're really smart, you go back to like college and be like, do like Malibu rum. Oh, Malibu, yeah. I never did Malibu. I came from Stowar and it was a big beer drinking town. Never. Uh, Only liquor. I just don't like how full and how much I have to go to the bathroom when I drink things. Or Google. No, hardly. hardly right? and, 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 less, and less is more with liquor. You don't have a few drinks, you can't feel good. You have to drink like three or four beers. Right? Right? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how are you? Yeah. Hey. Tell us who you are. I'm Luis from Florida. Estayos Auto Detailing. How do you say it? Estayos Mobile Auto Detailing. All right, so we're making uh, we're making our own micheladas. 
So pour in a little bit of that, mix in whatever you want, make your own beer. You ever drink Michelada? Okay, so it's just Clamato juice. Oh, and uh, just pour a little bit of that in there. Yeah, if you like tomato juice and stuff. No? Oh, you might not like this then. Uh, do you like, uh, do you like Shalua? Hot sauce? A little bit of uh, maybe some Worcestershire sauce? It's bitters. Oh, that's bitters. Don't put that in. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause it while everybody makes their drink. All right, we are back. We have now made our micheladas. Is that how you say it? Michelada? Michelada? Ooh, I like it. All right, so let's say, how did you do? How do you like your michelada? It's nice. It's different, but it's nice. It's like salty, <laughs> but I love it. You didn't make one, Theo. You just made it for others. Oh, that's Theo that's is true. Team Shiner. Like, he is. He did make one though. He didn't make yours. He made hers. Yeah. All right. What do you think of yours? What'd you put in it? Did you know quite a bit of clamato? I'm really heavy on the Worcestershire, and I love the drink because personally, uh, you know, Bloody Mary in the morning is amazing. And uh, every morning, right? Yeah, every morning. Yeah, yeah. we all do that, right? Yes, right? absolutely. Right. You're safe here. <laughs> and this is just like the breakfast beer, so you know, just it's refreshing any Waffles, time of the day. Sir, but clamato, like yeah, this. cures hangovers, and it's just amazing for you in general. It's vegan too, right? That's it. that's exactly why I drink it. I mean, that's the sole purpose. After being hungover all night. It's not your first thought in the morning, Cody, to get a, get a Clamata? No, I just sleep in. No. That, you hear about the IVs they have that you can take here in Vegas? Yeah. How, did you did you do an IV in I Vegas? I did not do an IV. I just slept all night. Uh, well, <laughs> Had a hangover all day long. You should have did the IV and you'd be, you'd be okay right now. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. What did you put in your water, Dennis? I didn't put anything in my water. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that after this, Cody's going to go belly up to one of those oxygen bars. <laughs> uh, thank you, Theo. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, girl card, please make me a drink. Yep, awesome. It's good. It's got a nice a nice uh, pepperiness, pepperiness to it. Uh, I did taste it, by the way, though. It's like my lip is like a little oh, spicy. It's still tingling. <laughs> it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it, it, did I just like get windburn? Nope, nope, that's the drink. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I'm in Colorado. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Like your lips? It's all good. Nothing in this podcast is related to. Uh, let's see, my my I don't, I I can't tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's what we're doing right now, Ronald. So you're gonna have to do it. No, it doesn't mean I don't like it. I can tell you what I put in it. I just, I don't know. I have, I don't know. There's so it, much awesomeness going on in your mouth right now that you just don't. Know yeah, how to put it to words. the clamato juice. I, I think this this is the first one I've made. I don't, I don't even recall even having one before so this might be my first one and um, I don't know I'll tell you when the when the cup is done <laughs> but it's got some Clamato Worcestershire sauce uh, Tabasco uh, we got some olives and, uh, and a lime yeah it's going down pretty good couple sips in couple 
sips in. Let's go. Yeah, I didn't mind. I think that extra little uh, bit of hot sauce at the end was, yeah, kicked it up really nice. All right, so one of the questions we've asked at uh, some recent uh, events that we've we've been out doing, we did a uh, a really cool video series in uh, Richmond, and we were at Flawless Finish and had a couple guys there, and we asked the question of, what do you think the biggest struggle is for you in the industry? So I would like to... Would like to know that answer. Like, what do you think the biggest struggle is in the industry? Let's go ahead and throw Mr. Uh, Duvall on the hot seat, since he loves to hold that microphone so far away. We'll stick it right in front of his face. Biggest struggle in the biggest struggle in the industry, right? Is that the, pretty much the main question? Yeah. Uh, What's your biggest mine struggle? Mine is balancing customers and making sure I can continue to like space out my work correctly. Like you know, I get a lot of work all at once, and then I'll try to pick out the work I need to get done, the most important work, and that's kind of the hardest deal is trying to schedule. So I guess scheduling is the best sense, and keeping people uh, stuck on the line. I guess after like, you got to tell them you're a week out or two weeks out. You know, keeping people like still interested in and touching base, and because I have to tell people, I can, for me it's really hard to tell them the truth like i'm actually booked out two weeks but i'll be like yeah yeah i'll be able to get to you and you know that's and it's not the truth because i really can't but i want to be able to keep them going it's not lying in a sense i just don't know how to just straight up count it's not lying in a sense it's lying but it's lying it's not lying in a sense because i have some really important what customers. sense is that the two cents it's touching the truth because like like i can give an example from last week that's funny well so i have a funny story to tell you since right before we left for sema we had three days before we left for SEMA, and I was working on this car. And there's this very important customer of mine named Mike Stacy, and he, he's a big Ford guy. He works for Ford. He has his son races for Roush, and he calls me. And when he calls me, I have to drop everything I'm doing. Like he's one of those guys. Well, he ha- he's in touch with the guy I was working on the car for, and he's, he calls me. He's like, "Cody, I have this car. You need to drop everything you're doing and come work on this car for me tonight before you leave town." And I was, and I lied, and I was like, uh, and we, th- keep in mind, we have three days until this car leaves for SEMA. And he's like, he's like, don't forget. Uh, he, he said, can you come do this car for me? It's really important. It's it, it has to be done. And I was just like, in my back of my head, I wanted to tell him, no, I'm working on this car for SEMA. Well, little did I know, he's with the guy that owns the body shop that I'm doing the car for, and they made a bet that I would tell him that I would <laughs> that I would drop everything I was doing and go do work for him. And but I told him I was like pretty. I, I made him told him I was gonna what I would do is kind of diverse, diversify my work and take my brother to one place and me to the other place and just work through the night was my plan. But I had to lie and be like, yeah, we can take care of it. And inside, I'm like freaking out, like, oh man, there's no way we're gonna be able to do both these cars, and I don't want to lose him as a customer because he's really important. So that's that's a big deal for me is kind of scheduling and like managing everybody all at once. So I mean, again, it's hard to disappoint people. Yeah. Like it really is. You want you want always tell people no. It's, yeah. Totally get it, but that's cool that you've gotten you know reputation up to where you are booked out a couple weeks in advance. So not a bad problem to have. Yeah, but I also take three days on cars sometimes too. Is it because you, it's because you're working there all like twelve hours straight all three days, or is it because no, you? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know you at all. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, Ronald, you have the mic now, so. Yeah. So uh, biggest struggles. I mean, there's a lot of struggles uh, when it comes to you know being a business owner or running a business, um, you know, be on the forefront. Um, so, I mean, one of them, and, I, and I've gotten to learn that for a lot of other people, it's, it's similar, is uh, 
it's keeping like a solid team. You know, you can have a vision, you can have systems set up, and um, you know, y- you'll you'll work with those systems. But having a solid team, you know, you'll get better at the systems. Um, but you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's not easy. And um, when you do have a good team, you want to make sure that they're getting, you know, what 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 the vision is or what you guys need to get done so that everyone's happy um it's not easy to keep everybody happy you know and be profitable um so i think that's something that uh i continue to struggle but i think overall we um do get some good guys that come by don't get me wrong um but when you talk about a solid team there's a lot of different things that go into it you know in time um but overall um yeah yeah, keeping a team is definitely pretty hard. Being at a level that we're at, you know, we're mobile, we're always running around and so forth too. So you kind of get well, we we have before I get in these funks where I just stop pouring into anybody, even myself. I'm just like, I'm just waking up, going to work, going home. You know what I mean? But I still got a team I've got to lead, and I've got to keep them excited and so forth. So it's it's definitely challenging to uh, to wear all the hats for sure. Keep your yeah, team it's motivated it's pretty, to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're mo- I mean, we're strictly mobile. Right. So yeah. you're talking about someone that you can have the right attitude, but you're coming in, understand you're packing up, making sure that that vehicle, that vehicle is like your shop. It's got to be, it's, it's got to be clean. It's got to be organized. And it's got to be ready to go. Um, and once you get to a location, you, you need to take things out and prepare to do the job at task. And then when you're done, you got to pack up and you got to go. Those things, um, you know, you got to have the right guys. Um, they have to be done appropriately so that you can, um, you know, be, I think run things smoother. That's how I look at it from someone who's, you know, in strictly mobile. So when you're overbooked by two weeks or three weeks, would you ever toss business to a friend in the industry and hoping he would do the same, or is that a faux pas? Yeah. I feel like in Tulsa... We're all such a tight-knit community, as in the detail community at least. There's a few guys that all agree not to get along with certain people as a, commu- as a detail community <laughs> together. I'm not going to pretend that we're all peaches and cream. There's a certain group of guys that we, we know we would never give work to, but we all kind of scratch each other's back. We try to help each other, and that's, that's a good thing Marty's done for us all together is kind of bringing us together as one and making sure there's not any like animosity in between each other. And he's done like a very good job about that. And I was trying to tell him that the other night after having a few drinks <laughs> over excessively, but I was <laughs> over excessively, but I was trying to tell him that, <laughs> but I think he got my point a little bit, but he, he deserves a, a lot more credit for what he's done in, in Tulsa area. If he could do what he's done in Tulsa and in different States, I mean, detail community would be huge. Like it, it would be crazy. I mean, the amount, of, the amount of people I'm in touch with in Tulsa, like DJ, I can call DJ anytime or he can call me anytime and I'll come help him like without a question. Like no, and just, just for the hell of it, just for fun, just because we enjoy working on cars and stuff together. So Yeah, yeah, it is awesome, you know. And um, But no, yeah, we do. We I've tossed some work up um, and it's returned. It's happened. Um, and the people who it's happened with, um, one of the guys who I first um, gave business to, I met him out in I think it was mobile tech and he's she was from Massachusetts saw his tag and um, you know I I just I figured if I'm there they're from Massachusetts they're there as well we got to be doing something right started talking to him a little bit and build a little network with him and um, he's a cool guy you know he's giving me some work I give him some work and 
we've done a project together uh, at a convention center and look at that, you know. Um, so not afraid of it. I think that's where a lot of us should be at. And you see it. It's a little bit out there, but that's, uh, that's community right there. Yeah. Hey. Community. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, this is a, a good thing because sometimes you can't take care of every, everybody. And I have a, a, a few times problems with that too. Because like the customer, hey, I need it for yesterday. And your schedule is so full. And hey, I'll, I'll find someone that I trust to take care of you. But the problem is that uh, like three times I just... I have a bunch of friends over there because they're doing a good job. But the problem is that if they forgot something, like we know how our customers is, you know. And sometimes I send my friends over there and the customer call me later. Hey, I didn't like this. He forgot something. And this is the problem. Sometimes I prefer to don't give the, don't say about anything about no one because uh, it's I have bad bad experience so sometimes oh sorry I couldn't do that can you wait for a little bit if not I'm sorry because sometimes you always do your best and you want to help your friend but I don't know if sometimes his schedule it's like full too and he's doing this just for helping me but sometimes it's better don't do it then do a, a bad job or give it to someone who will do a bad job and then did it worse for you. you know? For this, sometimes we need to, to think. These customers, like, will like the job from my friend or it's gonna be a, a trouble for me, you know? So sometimes we just need to stop and think about it too. Probably time management. Um, most of the time, it's kind of out of my control because I do have a lot of outside vendors that I use um, for like my window tint and my clear bra. And uh, sometimes I have a very tight time frame, which they end up using most of my time frame. So full correction encoding in six hours is always fun to do. Um, but usually time management is my biggest enemy. That's what I probably have the biggest problem with right now. All right, so then what is the most exciting thing that you think of uh, going on in our industry? All right, so we did our biggest struggle. Then what's the most exciting thing that you think uh, that's happening in our industry? I think is that when the, co the customer is getting more interested about the how the things work, you know, they're not just paying for for your job but like hey uh, I need this on my car and what kind of product product are you using and he asked for the process hey why are you going to do the clay bar and what kind of wax and everything because we it's I think I feel bad when like the customer asks me to do a job 
and I'll do my best. I, I look for all sides, put light on it and everything. And when I tr deliver the car and the customer says, oh, is that okay? And he didn't look at the car. <laughs> it's so sad. I spent like four hours, five hours doing this and <laughs> you didn't look. You know, <laughs> if I just wash and do a spray wax on it, it's gonna be the same. So the the nicest thing for me is when the customer is really interested about it, and you explain the things for him, and he like kind of know what you're talking about. This is, I think, is pretty well, like an educated. Client. Yes. DJ's dropping the mic. Uh, I think uh, I might make one, this one short. Yeah. No, but um, I think that w when it comes to the detailing industry. So the question was, what's the most exciting thing at the show? Is that right? Yeah. What's the most exciting thing? In the industry. Most in exciting industry. thing in the industry. It's getting, it's getting, I guess, closer to more of a profession. Um, you know, and that's a good thing, um, as we know where detailing has been at for, for a while and, and how it's been looked at, you know, and things like that. But I, I think it's moving in that direction where people are feeling that they need to, um, that, that it's worth it to put money into this. Um, and slowly but surely they're getting around to that. Um, there's different levels that this is being done at. So it makes total sense to be paying, um, X dollars for it. Um, I feel that more people are um, getting hip to that idea. Um, so as long as uh, we continue to do what we're doing in the industry with um, offering educational stuff and, and, and having a guidance and a path, I think it's I think we're on the right right track here. I feel like this year more and more the brands are coming together and they're focusing a lot more on educating the public. Um, you still got the lighters getting knocked across the place, but hold on, that's happening still at SEMA right now. You do have the the educational portion of it that is being put out to the consumers now, and I think that when I have more clients coming in and they kind of know what they want because some of those companies that do all their little infomercial ads and whatnot have actually made a little bit of an impact, not even a little, made a big impact because more and more people are asking for stuff. And they're going online, they're doing the research, they're educating themselves. And it seems like a lot of the, the bigger brands that are out are starting to put out information out there for the people to come in and ask the right questions and know what they want, not kind of, oh, I want a ceramic cutting. Oh, I want a paint sealant. How long is it going to last? So do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, though? Do, would you rather a client come in and you educate them or them get educated on their own by a certain brand? Because then you got to combat if they have a brand that you're not using specifically and you don't like it at all, it sucks, it's crap. Now you got to combat the fact that they want to come to you for a coating, but they only want you to use this and you don't like it because you know for sure it's not your thing. I'd still rather have them educated. Yeah. You really would. I would, yeah. I agree with that too. Because people don't have the concept. They think that it's like a bulletproof product that's on their vehicle. 
No, exactly. No, he, no he's <laughs> right. On, yeah. He is right. But a lot of no, that's no, from the brand right. marketing, though. <laughs> a, a lot, right? But they—that's why they started coming in that way because they were so. You said like even the cigarette light, like that's the way they marketed. Yeah, but how many people go around knocking cigarette lighters on their vehicle? <laughs> At first, a lot. Well, <laughs> I get I get a lot of customers. That, I don't know. I, I just I feel much more at ease speaking to a client that is somewhat educated on what I'm about to do to their car, especially because I have pretty high ticket prices in my shop. I, I'm not going to say that I'm the cheapest in town, but uh, I definitely offer a little bit more of a elite service, I believe, and people that educate themselves on the product and the techniques that I use do understand that. So they're willing to actually spend a little extra money to go with someone that, one, is going to educate them further than what they've already educated themselves. On the flip side of that, though, I'm, I agree with you 100% all the way. I'm the same on the same page as you, but but on on 99.9. I yeah, I agree with you 99%. But on the flip side of the, having the customers that are educated, they think they know more than what you know because they read something online. So after you do their vehicle and they when they get home and they don't take care of their vehicle or it's not beating up or doing whatever they think, then you're wrong. It's your fault. True, but not true, because that's when you talk them into your maintenance service plan. There you go. But and they but come in and visit you every six months, and guess what? You've gained a, a loyal client out of people, it. They expect way more than what it really is. There, there's people that are so educated, but they're uneducated because they've seen this video, and I've seen the hype videos on YouTube. I've seen it like, doing this, but my car isn't doing that. Well, you should be able to weed those clients yeah, out. Yeah, I, I get some of those guys them. though. I still get some of those guys, and in the, in the, even because they're car guys, they think they know everything. You know, I still get that. I think one of the challenges is, and it, it's it's kind of like, you know, for us when when someone calls in uh, for the car wash and they don't know how the car wash works, and for us it's it's like we can't get emotionally upset about it because they've never used this before, and so it's their first time exposure. So as cool as it is that there's some educated people out there, there's always going to be a lot of those guys or gals that are faux educated or you know uneducated and properly educated about the products, and that just means more people are finding out about it. To 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 your point. That they're they're being educated or at least exposed. I don't know if educated is the right word. They're being exposed to it, and so they're getting some familiarity with it. But that means that you're just going to get more and more of the the what we would look at as experienced people, what we think are silly questions or idiotic questions, when really they're just novice and they're just ver they're just barely breaking in and trying to understand that stuff. And so it's I think the biggest thing on that side is as exciting as it is, it's just to not be emotionally responsive to them that it's. They're, they're not they're not dumb they're just they don't they really don't know and there's just 10 times more people now that are starting to be exposed to that yeah do you think it's easier to sell to a customer that is uneducated sell a ceramic coating to a customer that's uneducated or sell to a customer that's educated about ceramic coating do i, I have the question is do i think it's easier to sell to a ceramic coating to a customer that's uneducated or to a customer that's uneducated about ceramic like a proper ceramic coating so so there so that you have the customers that are I would never spend that much money on a detail just before this and that. And then you have your customers that they know about it. I mean, you just kind of go with it. I think there's different levels. So misinformed, right? So let's say that if they're misinformed and they come in or if they're informed well and come in. If they're informed well and they're coming in, that's easy. right? That's, you're not having to answer a lot of questions. You're just asking, well, you know, why do you use the coating that you use? You know, if we're with GT Quartz or we've got titanium or whatever it is, then you know that that's that's you're just explaining a little bit of information, but again, selling's not telling, so you need to be able to ask more questions. 
And so if we're just asking more questions when they come in, if they're misinformed, it's easier to lead them where you want to go by asking them questions because you already know the answers to, they don't, and you can lead them down that road. You know, it's, you know, the simple things of even, if they're misinformed, they, they think the ceramic coating is, is bulletproof, and, and you just, you start off with, uh, at the very first thing, remember, I think in sales, one of the biggest things that you can always do, and this is like, just like mutual funds or anything else, it's, it's building knowledge gap. And, and then you become the, the expert, and expert doesn't mean that you're like the world-renowned expert, it just means that you know more than they do. And so if you can give them a little bit more information and stretch that knowledge gap just a little bit, and I think everybody here is probably experienced enough, they can, they can you know, when it, when it comes necessary, you can turn it on and give them 10 times more information and just kind of almost shove it down their throat like they're an idiot, but, um, but you don't have to go that far. Was oh, that too much? No, no. How far <laughs> <to> <laughs> <shove it> <laughs> <laughs> we really it's, try hard not to shove it down people's throats. Yeah. You do, you do, but you, you use that knowledge gap, and that's oh. what you're going to use to sell them. And so, you know, it can be simple things because most people have never clayed a car before, don't understand the difference. And so, you take a little sandwich bag and do a little, what we call file out finders, and just show them that little piece, and say, "Oh, your car's clean. When's the last time you detail? Oh, oh, you had a detail. Oh, okay. Here, here, fill the car. Car, it's crap, right? You got like how sand? That's nasty." And, it, and then show them a little bit of, you know, clay it a little bit. And so, like, that's just step one, okay, so preparation. And then that's, you're just building knowledge gap. And those are the little pieces there. And especially for, like, someone like yourself that's in front of people all the time and not doing it on the Internet or whatever, but you're, you're literally in front of somebody showing them or talking to them is you can go out and you can touch their car. If you're at a car show, you can go out and, you know, check someone's paint at a, at a Cars and Coffee or something like that. And, and you know. kind of harder guys to, to flip. You know, the guys that, oh, I've been – Detailing my car with Carnuba wax for 10, 15 years, this works perfectly. And I, it's been harder to, like, in my sense, tell people than show them. I'd rather show them than tell them in some sense, sometimes, because they're, they're, there's hard-headed car guys out there that they just don't understand. They just won't really come around with I, I think the easiest way to that is just move on to the next one. You can't fight them. I mean, you could try to drag, the, drag them to the, to the feeding well, but they're not. I'm I'm at every big car. I'm a car I'm a car guy. I'm a, I, everyone, I mean, most of us are car guys, but I go. I'm actually in the events that I cater to. So the people that I cater to, I race in the events that they're at. So they know me. Uh, car shows that I go to, I take. I go. To, I put my cars in the car show and stuff like that. That's kind of where I target. Okay, so do you think that you're going to do something different for that group? Because it sounds like you don't mind doing stuff with that group yeah. you know like but at the same time there's guys in there that or girls yeah. that uh think that they may know so you know you come out I, of SEMA, I like helping you're around right? other people you get new ideas or whatever do you go back or have you thought about it like this group of people here's how i'm gonna treat them yeah more. i try to think so every time i have an encounter with somebody I, I go back and think about that encounter that i had with them later on i think about what i could have done differently when i talked to them and stuff like that so i i think about that situation and, and I, I try to think of new ideas how to come and cater to them you know and the way i've kind of learned to cater to them is being realistic with them and like explaining to them why this is this expensive and how much it really costs to do this and just kind of keeping it not dummy, but just being real and just telling them the whole truth, and that's right, really what they right, want. And that's what right. I've learned. Or like the truth, Cody. Yeah, I mean, but you have the people that are salesmen. The there's people that'll just sell. They'll they'll tell you all this stuff, and they'll be listening to you. They're like, uh huh, and they have no idea what you're talking about. 
and I and I can re- and you can kind of sense the conversation with someone when they start to realize they don't know what you're talking about anymore. So then I kind of go back, kind of back to what they know, hey. talking about swirls and scratches and shiny and slickness, you know. Stuff hey, like if that. You, hey, if that if that, <laughs> that works for you, a little bit. that's fine. Or like you said, you can just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could. But I, but I really yeah. truly care about the, my my car community too. Yeah. So that's the difference. Right, so moving on to Ronald, favorite thing in the industry? <laughs> favorite thing in the industry? I answered that one, huh? Yes, I think you did. Yeah. No. I just wanted to mention that. So I'll play with that one. He's the one who started that. Favorite, <laughs> favorite thing in the industry kind of plays off of that because Dennis and I obviously have a different perspective from the car wash world. Um, and being here at SEMA just kind of brings it in. Um, to our, the forefront again, and that's the idea behind technology. You know, sitting at Rupes's um, booth yesterday and seeing some of the super cool stuff. Um, Dylan Von Kleitz was showing us some of the new compounds, some of the one steps that they have. They actually have a one step with fillers and silicone dioxide built into it, so you can do express detailing with a one year ceramic coating on it. What? And it's in the same, you know, blue, green, yellow, white system that they have now across all the Rupes work. For us, that goes back to my challenge. Standard operating procedures is my challenge with a staff. But the technology that we have out there is great. And I think what you guys are talking about and the customers becoming more educated is, have you looked at the handbook for a Tesla or any other new car talking about don't take your car through tunnel washes, don't do this, don't do that. Customers are starting to ask the questions themselves because the car manufacturers have paired up with like the International Car Washing Association are paired up with groups like SEMA and start saying, how do we tell the consumers to look at this differently? So I think our customers are, are being encouraged um, because of what the industry is doing across all avenues that we all um, work with. And they're saying, wait a minute, how should I look at this different? I just invested in this new vehicle. It's a new piece of technology. How do I need to treat it different from the like 1972 Pinto that you know grandma had or whatever? Or, or Marcel, one of our employees. It's the best car ever. With you guys being <laughs> speaking on that side, on the car wash side, with you guys knowing having a detail shop and the car wash side, do you guys have brushless and brush, brush car wash? How do you guys do that? Uh, How do you like we, <laughs> <laughs> Stab me in my heart. <laughs> we... We're 100% brushless. We don't touch any of them. We also have worked a lot for our car washes to be very um, chemistry friendly. So a lot of car washes, I know you guys are looking at me, you're going to be like, yeah, we know. They're not using soap. Wax isn't really wax, right? There's a lot of misconceptions. Um, We do ours very, very differently. Um, Everything's between a 5 and a 12 pH. We're very safe. We need more of you guys in the Midwest. Yeah. Everything's actually a soap with detergents. We're working on it. We're working on that expansion. They're going to come by Eco Green. I'm going to be, I'm going to work for Auto Wash. We got to figure out that mobile detailing site eventually. You. So, you know. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you mentioned the brushes and like scratch is a bad name. So, you know, in our family, it's just, you just don't do it. And so no brushes. Our, our kids, you know, 10 and 12, point out every micro scratch when we drive down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my kids are trained too, yeah. yeah that's pretty awesome. So um, so I, I think uh, exciting-wise, I think it's exciting that there's just as much conversation about it. You know, that there's uh, that the, that the detailing 
that people are looking for detailing. I think that's that's different. I think that's uh, I, I think the, like groups like IDA coming in. I think that's a huge deal. I think that's as it becomes as more and more detailers join. I think that it's helps sets the bar up. I think that's that's huge. You know, there's not as much. I think the, the the thing that everyone struggles with the most probably is just the misinformation on detailing from the the, the hucksters and the you know the people who are just are just trying to make a quick buck and, out of their van. And they, you know, they're here for a town for a week, and then they're gone to the next town, and don't really care about reputation. I think that's the, the other side of it is probably professionalism, and seeing more detailers become more professional, because they're seen all the time on Instagram, and you know, you can only take it so much. That's so true. So, I'm glad you um, brought the idea because that was my my answer. Is most exciting thing is the idea now, and I have a story to kind of talk about that, which happened recently, which is really cool. So there was this writer for the New York Times, and she, her kid deals with uh, car sickness. So every time they go on a road trip, like the kid always vomits in the vehicle. So she's like, you know what, this will be a great story to write about in the New York Times, in the children's section or whatever section that's going to be written in. So she called around a bunch of people, a bunch of different detailers in um, New York, and they all gave her different answers, and she just, it was just money. So she goes, you know what, I'm going to go to the association. And she found the IDA, which is the International Detailing Association, uh, reached out to the board, to uh, the uh, offices. They reached out to a few of us. I agreed to write their article with her. I talked to her on the phone for 30 minutes, answered all our questions, and now the IDA is going to be in the New York Times. That's just really cool that the IDA is, is, has developed such a, um, a, a backing for detailers to provide some credibility to detailers, just like any other association would. Um, and it's just giving validity to who we are and the hard work that we all do each day so to be reached out by the I mean that, that was huge me honestly was awesome because I took you know I got to talk to her that was pretty cool it wasn't even a bucket list but I mean that's that's pretty awesome right so just to know that that they re, I mean that's how they found us was through the IDA it just validates all the work that I do behind the scenes and everyone else on the board too so and pe even the volunteers that are on the committees that are volunteering too so yeah So is the IDA then providing detailers that are approved by them, are they providing them the things to put on their website to tell them why the IDA is important, why the certification is important to the consumer and things like that? Because I was just helping one of my local detailers with his website. He's like, yeah, I'm IDA certified. I'm like, that's cool. The normal consumers have no idea what that means. And I feel... a great thing for the next president. Yeah, it does sound like a good thing. That I definitely. So what if I'm only there was an IDA board member here with us to would, pass yeah, this on. I'd love to let him know. I'll, I'll probably email <laughs> him. Soon to be I'll president. Email him, I'll email him right now and let him know to put that on their list of things. But yeah, there should be a whole toolkit that you provide to your certified detailers to tell them or help them yep. inform their... I think in 2020 that'll probably happen. All right. Yeah, I love it. Saying. That's a great idea, Sheldon. That's an awesome idea. So it is. The name itself, IDA, International Detailers Association, has a pretty big name behind well, it. It actually though. is international. I mean, we're, we're in several different countries. Yeah. Uh, the president, uh, Jonathan, went out to, uh, to Waxstock and to, the, uh, in, to Europe and got to go and help with the uh, testings out there and, and, and have an international presence. So um, it's cool to see. I think some of the story, and I wasn't on the IDA board at all when this all came about, but they named themselves international before they even had international presence whatsoever <laughs> but, and it was just you know recently uh, jason rose is he he's one of the i think biggest pushing factors of why we're actually international now because he he has such a good presence overseas in different countries 
and has been able to uh, to bridge the gap with different countries with the IDA. So it's just it's really really cool yeah. to see everything. But then, yeah, the name itself though. I mean, when you say that, I feel like you could just say that to any kind of anyone interested in detailing, Correct. International Detail Association. You kind of say that to them, you know, that kind of carries some validity. Yeah, it's in sure. a sense. But I understand what you, what he was saying too. Yeah. So. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, Theo, couldn't be. Thank you so much for the beers, the Clamato, the Chilada mix. Super fun. Let's go around and tell people your social handles. Tell them where people find you. Uh, you could find me on the Instagram. Right now, just Instagram. It's at Styles Mobile Auto Detailing. You can find me, Theodore, at the Specialist Detail Studio on Instagram and then on Facebook, the Specialist Automotive Detailing. Ronald from All Star Mobile Auto Detailing. You can find us on Facebook just like that, All Star Mobile Auto Detailing. Instagram, all underscore star underscore detail. Auto Wash companies can be found online, autowashco.com. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to I'll do it again. <laughs> AutoWashCO.com, Instagram, AutoWashCO, Facebook, The Works. Uh, you can find me personally at Mrs. AutoWash. Coming to a state near you. <laughs> Someday. Someday. <laughs> you can look at my Instagram. It's an AutoWash guy, but there's not much happening there. It's <laughs> auto- I, don't, I don't think you know how to get into it. I don't even know how to log into it. No, it's... it's <laughs> But Autowash CO, you can check us out. Pinterest, Instagram, we're all over the place. Nice. Very cool. Uh, you can find us at Pines Polishing Podcast. Uh, you can find me personally at DJ Patterson on Instagram, DJ Patterson pretty much everywhere, um, social media-wise. You can find me, uh, Cody Duvall, on Facebook at Pure One Detail, or my first and last name. Pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, you can find Mobile Tech Expo, uh, Facebook, Insta, at Mobile Tech Expo, and I hope to meet you all personally in Orlando this coming January. All right, so it's time to tab out. Time to tab out. We got to go get that tab, but before we go. I feel like you have. <laughs> we have the tab out question like you have of question. the episode. Yeah. It's nothing amazing. Is it up your sleeve? No, not really. It's short sleeve, so there's not a whole lot. Yeah, there's not much. No. Uh, tab out question, though, is what's your craziest Las Vegas story? Yes. I have none. <laughs> I'll be last. He wants to wait and see how edgy, edgy we get with it, yeah. Okay, I guess I'll start things off. Uh, let's see. It wasn't that crazy, but it was last last SEMA. So my first one. I did have a moment where I got kind of lost. <laughs> I did. It was after one of the IDA meetings. I mean, all, all these industry gatherings is always bare so i had some there once that was done i was gonna get ready to go to i think sema pint night and um but it was it was the ida gathering last year after that was done i just i had quite a few i was trying to find my place i got out of the convention center i just i don't know trying to locate someone calling them and just at that point i just had too much and um yeah i got lost last year I'm a UNLV rebel. Go Rebels. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. 
Dang. Oh, nicely done, I haven't done, been in Vegas in 14 years. She's just joking. She doesn't have any fun stories. Um, speaking of, I don't have any fun stories. I can't think of a single thing. I sleep in. I've got so many, and they all involve you. Marty, don't talk all, about they that all one. All involve night. you. Which one do you want to be embarrassed on? I just I don't know. Just not the not that one night. Okay, fine. Uh, we've been coming to Mobile Tech, or we've been traveling together for about five years or so. And every time we come to Vegas, he always tries to get me on a zip line over Fremont Street. And uh, I finally did it. I'm proud of myself. That's the craziest thing I've done yet. It, it probably really like is the craziest like thing heights, to yeah. get you to go up into the heights. Now, the roller coaster, different story. Not happening. Well, you haven't done that yet. That's why I'm, it's not happening. So yeah. we've, we've, we've capped out. Yeah. We've so, see, crazy doesn't have to mean like. No, we've capped out at the crazy. Blanked out drunk. Like, crazy can be all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy, Dennis. Taco Bell three times a week is crazy. So, there's Dennis's. He ate Taco Bell. Uh, you get the mild hot sauce, fire. Hot, hot sauce. But, uh, well, yeah, let's do it. But so, I mean, I was super proud of DJ. At first, he kind of was extremely uh, not excited about doing it. Uh, he got some, yes, yeah, some encouragement. Yes. And, uh, and he came up. We didn't know if he would really do it, but he, he showed up and he did it. What do you think? Like, you're strapped in Honestly, on your back. It, you're hanging. I wish it was faster. I wish it was like more adrenaline. It was super it smooth. Was kind of you literally felt quick. like you were flying. What? I said. I said you went pretty quick. I didn't go that fast, and I said I don't know why. And he goes, "It was a weight adjustment." Oh, definitely. Oh no, we talked about that. Yeah. Because I was. I was flying. like, "Bro, look at me and I you. Of course, I'm going to go faster than you." Me right now. This is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I just flew right past him. Carts with your kids, like they will always beat you. <laughs> they don't weigh as much. Yeah, Cody, what's been your craziest fun experience in Vegas? Well, since I'm 25, I will have to say the craziest thing of my trip was that I actually stayed in one night and did not go out at all because I'm so tired from walking the show, <laughs> and I'm so proud. And if I tell anyone back home, they would not believe me that. So that's pretty crazy for me. That is, I yeah. stayed home, I slept, I rested, drank water, didn't have a drink of alcohol yesterday. So. That was wow. great. That was crazy for me. I didn't work out, no. What's that water taste like? <sighs> I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> weird. It's, I'm not used to drinking it. Well. All right, well, so I'm local, so I've had many experiences. The craziest, though, would be I was on the strip over by, like, Aria area. I live about seven miles south, and my phone died. I said goodbye to my friends. My phone was dead, and it turns out I lost my wallet. So I can't call an Uber because my phone's dead. I don't have money for a taxi. So I just walk my ass seven miles home down Las Vegas Boulevard. <laughs> and I stop at two bars on the way and plead my story. And nice, some nice patrons buy me a beer, like some walking beers. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, didn't you, but didn't give you a ride. <laughs> no, they didn't give me a ride. They just bought me a beer. It took four hours. but <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, was, I was gonna well, yeah, I fucking I was got tired, bro. <laughs> this is not a marathon runner body. <laughs> you look good, Sheldon. You look good. Yeah. Don't discount yourself. So mine I'm going to go with since DJ mentioned Maker's Mark earlier. Yes. Mine was, was the there, drunk man. blacked out story. Dude, yeah. it was so yeah. awesome. Can I tell it now? <laughs> go ahead. 
I, the reason I was saying not that night is because, like you said, there's a bunch. I was just making a joke. I get of it. Not I that totally night. I understand. <laughs> there, there was multiple nights. You bring Makers Mark and Marty together, and there's always going to be the best story. <laughs> so we're get invited. DJ gets invited and allows me to come along to a. That was your first trip to Vegas too. It was. It was like, was it the first or second? Was your I don't first remember. Trip to SEMA. And uh, well, yeah, definitely first trip to SEMA and. Uh, it was this mansion, and people talk about it. Maybe it was Prince's old mansion it was back a creepy, in the day. Like creepy mansion. It was very creepy. Uh, with ha- not like creepy's the wrong, not creepy. It was eerie. You could tell some shit went down. Some stuff <laughs> went down in there. Just I, some of yeah. the murals on the wall. Some of the way things were set up. It was like was, it was just what happened. Some of the way the mirrors were the on different parts of the ceiling. Know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let your mind wander there. And uh, they ran out of what I was drinking and uh, got switched to Maker's Mark. And right now I'm 0 for 2 on Maker's Mark. Uh, He's not one yet. And uh, found myself with a red Solo cup. Calling the dinosaurs. I think I found you. Uh, my, calling dinosaurs. <laughs> but it was. I knew I was in yeah, right? So the I knew I was in trouble. He was sending me text messages that didn't make and any I sent sense. DJ. It was like Morse code. Like, I don't, just like, what, what am I reading here? Yeah. <laughs> I had to decode this shit all, and I'm like, I'm giving up. I'm going to go home. I'll come back tomorrow. I'm like, uh, I can't leave him here. Like, but, like, I found this random booth. So inside this mansion place was this club, right? It was, yeah. Like I said, it was odd. Like, it was – and – I just, I was like, oh my word, I've got to go sit down, but I can't, like, I knew that I, like, right, you just, you hit that moment, and I found this dark little, like, okay, I'm going to sit here, but then I start falling over, and I'm like, booth, right Red. side, gone. <laughs> did not say booth or right side, it might have been, like, look at you, guys, I was trying to get anything out because I knew I was fading fast. And I was like, I just got to look. He finally, I don't know how long a, oh, I was at, but he finally finds me, hours, like, comes yeah. and checks on me multiple out, times through the night. I went and like, decoded again, went and drank some more. Okay, let me try to figure this out. The more I drink, might help. But it, yeah. He eventually found me. I eventually found you. Dragged me out at the end of the night. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's the craziest thing. I won't tell you what happened afterwards. <laughs> I won't tell you what happened. Out, you were blacked out, so you don't remember. Oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of ball sack photos on my forehead. <laughs> that was pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank definitely. you for coming out here. Bit, bit of a haul, but thank you for yeah, for coming was, out. It was a good time. Uh, Theo has gone to since his tab out. I guess he went to go tab out. He went and tab out. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, had a great time with you guys. Thank you again so much. Um, you can find us at Total Auto Solutions or at Pines Polishing Podcast or send me a text message, 918-800-1188. And uh, Theo, thank you again, man. Well. Really, Thanks, Theo. I appreciate it, man. For a final community. Everyone clean. Community for keto. Appreciate you guys. Ah, oh, what a fun time at Pint Night. Poof, I tell you, that Hefeweizen is just amazing at the Gordon Beers Brewery. Well, Pint Night's over. You know what's next. That's Mobile Tech Pint Night. All right. Looking fun to a really, really good community event. Yep. Cheers. We are doing a community all the whole show's welcome right after the show's over on Friday 
of Mobile Tech Expo Orlando, everybody's going to walk out to free beer by the pool, courtesy of Community. <laughs> Super fun, ready to do that, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about the community event coming up at Mobile Tech Expo. Ooh.